0: at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy and subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C. Rock Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, Mike C. I appreciate you guys being here. I'm so thankful for your support of the What Are You Made Of movement and podcast. And I can't do what I want to do, what my mission is, without you guys. And so, first of all, I always like to start the show with gratitude and let you know that I really appreciate you. And thank you for being here. Please tell a friend, family member, coworker about the show, about the movement, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or my YouTube channel, Mike C-Rock Sirocco. All of these are up so you can watch them as well as listen. So today's guest, guys, is Peter Taunton. He's a pioneer in the fitness industry and guys, you know, I like fitness, you know, I wear the tight shirts and all. So uh, in 2003, he had a vision for snap fitness to create an affordable 24 seven result driven gym differentiated from the impersonal expensive big box experience. Today, there are snap fitness franchises in 2,500 locations in 26 countries. I mean, that's just phenomenal, man. Just like say his numbers. And Taunton, CEO of Lyft Brands, didn't stop there. He is an expert in understanding consumer desires and fulfilling them. In recent years, he has acquired and founded several brands to round out the consumer fitness experience, including Nine Round, Ferrells, Yoga Fit, Steel Fitness, Fitness on Demand, uh, just to name a few. So uh, I can go on and on and on because it looks like you've accomplished a lot. But I, I will say that there's some of the accomplishments here that, um, you know, hitting Entrepreneur 500, Inc 5000, Top Global and Franchise 500. I can go on and on and on. So. Let's just get to the point. I want to find out what you're made of, Peter. Welcome to the show, brother.
1: (laughs) Hey, thanks for having me. My pleasure.
0: (laughs) So, you know, the show starts, I went into that on the pre-show in the green room, quote unquote. We always ask our guests, what are you made of?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, and as an entrepreneur who's been through a lot and experienced failure and experienced success, it's that question, it's hard to know where to start, right? I can tell you, you know one of, the first, one of the first lessons I learned, I learned at a really early age. I'm the youngest of seven kids. I grew up in the Midwest. I have an identical twin, and um, my father had a small grocery store in our hometown. and uh, he, my, my dad was the kind of guy that you were either playing sports. you were in school or you were working for him, right? He was a firm believer, old school guy. Man's man had a lot of grit, and he just he felt he kept us busy and which kept us out of trouble, which is, you know, a guy like me. Got a little ADD going on. I needed it, right? Keep me focused. So for me, you know, one of of the biggest lessons I learned before I talk about my setback was really learning that if you want something, you got to go get it. And I used to sell popcorn at my dad's grocery store when I was eight years old. And that's when I started, eight years old. And I remember one day my dad walks past me. He walks about 40 feet past me. He stops in his tracks. He pivots and he turns, comes right back towards me, right? And I'm thinking, oh shit, here we go, right? Eight-year-old here, and my dad stops. He says, "Hey, son, how's business?" And I' getting ready to give him my eight-year-old dissertation on how why business was slow, right? Yeah, yeah. and full and of BS, he, right? <laughs> he stops me about fifteen words into it, you know, and he says, "Son, it's slow because you're sitting behind the counter. You got to get, get if you want to get if you want to increase your business, you got to get out from behind that counter. You got to go ask people if they want some popcorn. You got to go get it." Right now, I'm looking at him. My eyes are as big as pool walls, right? And I got out from behind that counter from that point forward, and you know my sales doubled. i literally eight years old, so there's a couple of things that you had to overcome your fear because I was kind of a shy kid going up to a complete stranger, pulling on their coat sleeve, saying, "Hey, would you like some popcorn? I just popped it; it's delicious." You know, as simple as that sounds, I was scared shitless doing that at eight, eight years old, right? Yeah. But lo and behold, these people would follow me back to my popcorn stand, and they'd buy popcorn. So. Yep. The lesson learned there, brother, is look, if you want something, go get it. And that lesson today, that's been my, you know, my battle cry for my entire life. You know, the second side of it is never be afraid of failure. And, you know, you and I spoke about a little bit earlier. Every I know a lot of people that have accumulated some great wealth, in, you know, north of 50 million, you know, self-made guys. Every one of us will tell you about Overcoming adversity. And we'll also tell you that the learning curve is in the abyss of adversity, of when you're right there in the middle of a firestorm, you know, uh, challenging moments. That's where all the lessons are learned. So, my greatest lesson, talking about, you know, what am I made of? Well, I tell you what I'm made of being self made makes a big difference. When I started in business, if you'd met me 35 years ago, I'd have been giving you a towel and a locker key. So I am as self-made as they get. I was making $16,000 a year, and I had an opportunity to turn around a failing club. So that's how I got into the fitness business. Did I know then I was going to build one of the largest wellness brands in the world? Well, of course not. Did I know that I was capable of doing it? Of course I did, right? But I would never have told you, hey, Michael, I think, I, I think I'm going to build one of the largest wellness brands in the world. People would laugh me out of the room. But as it happens, and those lessons along the way were just you know, invaluable. And, you know, my biggest whiff by far was creating this behemoth of a brand, multiple brands. So when you have this universe of clubs, you start trying to be really vertically integrated. And I wanted to create my own back office software because when you got 6,000 locations subscribing to your license, keep in mind today, you know, I'm paying a third party for a license, right? I said, look, I I went to my IT team and I said, why can't we create our own back office software? Why can't we do it? And why can't we have it be more intuitive and geared more for what our, what our needs are? And my IT team, my, my chief technical officer said, Peter, we can do this without any question. Well, I surround myself with smart people. I believe it. I've never wrote one line of code. So I couldn't tell you. I just asked the question, can we do it? And I trust my team. Long story short, they said it was going to take about a year and about a million and a half dollars. We did it for four years. I probably spent $5 million and we still didn't have it. Okay, and now today we're, we we tried to deploy it, and we're we're cutting back and going in, going in another direction with with an off the shelf software. So the the lesson learned there is: look, stay in your lane. There's some things that you should do, and we did payment processing and all these other things. We own that piece of the business, real estate construction. We own that, but you know what? Just stay out of your stay stay in your lane. Don't don't go out and try to be everything. Just create some great strategic partnerships, and that's what we've done.
0: Right, right. So, when it took you four—what, four, four years—to finally pull the plug on that project?
1: And, and it wasn't. It was through sheer frustration, and I just said, "Look, you know what?" Because I, you know, every a company like mine, I've I've sold my company. I I founded it, and I sold forty percent at one point. And and I always talk about that when I'm mentoring entrepreneurs. Everybody comes at me with these business plans. And, you know, I massage the business plans along the way, but then we, we start talking about well, what's your exit strategy. And a lot of people don't think about their exit strategy. And, and I say, look, a business plan has how you get into it and how you exit. And so for me, I took one bite of the apple. I sold 40% for about $47 million, And then five years later, I sold a, uh, let's see, about 14% for about the same number. And so today I own about, today I own 45%, I actually sold 19%. And today I own about 44%. If I had to do over again, lesson learned there, I would have sold more, okay? Because as soon as I gave control of the company, it, it was a game changer, okay? Yeah. Regardless of what private equity says, these are big private equity companies, billion-dollar players. They don't give a shit about, you know, they've never sold a franchise, they've never they've never sold a membership, they've never given a, given a tour. So it's, it makes, it makes life interesting when you've got to sit back and watch people, you know, make some really drastic material changes to your company.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I can imagine. Great, great, that. Lessons,
1: though. What what, great what, lesson. So
0: what's the difference between someone that comes in, starts a gym and, you know, franchise and has four or five locations versus 2,500?
1: Well, you, you know what it's a, at, at the end of the day, the product to the consumer should look and feel the same, whether you have one or whether you have 2,500, it's like McDonald's, you know, mm. it's, McDonald's, it doesn't matter what McDonald's you go into, you're, you're consistently going to get a very similar French fry and the burgers are going to taste the same. Because you know, in my opinion, there's, there's no one better than those guys at what they do. Mm-hmm. The service piece of it might be different, you know what I mean? Because you know, some people, you know, you go through the drive-thru, some people say, hey, thanks for coming in. What can I get you? What would you like today? They're really friendly and they're bubbly. You get somebody else to say, what do you want? Right, and then They just about throw the bag at you, when you as you're driving away. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the experience may be different, but the food should taste the same. So just like in the health club business, if you've got one club, when the member walks in the door, they should be greeted. Hey, how's it going? Have a great workout. You know what I mean? And when yeah. they leave, thanks for coming in. Hope to see you tomorrow. If you can't have that little exchange, you know, that's a strike against you. If your equipment is not in great working order, if your club is not clean, if you can't talk the basics about helping somebody get to the promised land, and that would be if you want to be lean you know whatever your fitness goals are i got to be able to chart a path for you to get you there and it can't be oh you're going to eat carrot sticks and celery you know today it's so much more sophisticated than that there's so much more great technology out there and we're so much smarter today at getting fit and getting ripped that it's not what, it's not as tough as it used to be because there's you know there's a science to how you attack that stuff. If you're looking for vascularity and lean, where you don't feel like you have to eat your arm off half the day. It's
0: just a matter of sticking to it.
1: I mean, being consistent with it. That's what it is. Yeah. Consistency. So, you know, one club, 2,500 clubs, it doesn't matter. The product should be the same. Obviously managing 2,500, some days it's like herding cats, right?
0: Right. But what what was the difference that put you into that situation where, you know, like you said, you have four and then you get to, let's say 10, 20, 30. Yeah. And what, did you have something in mind of where you wanted to get to? 2,500 was a number or yeah. was it higher than that? Are you still going for more?
1: Yeah, I'm still going for more. I mean, yeah. and we do it through acquisition. But for me, the, the first 20 years of my of my health club experience, when I said 35 years ago, I would, I would have been giving you a towel and a locker key. That's no joke. And that was one club in a town that I grew up in. And I did that for 20 years, and one of the guys that had worked for me for about 10 years, when I'd sold that company, I had gone off and I was going to do something else. And he said, look, would you build a club for me? At the time, I had seven clubs and I had sold them all. And uh, he goes, he said, I don't like who you sold the business to. Would you ever consider building me a club? Let me run it. I know you're not interested in putting in the long hours that you've been doing for the last 20 years, but would you consider it? And I said no to him about four or five times, and then I said, look, I'm going to what if I took out the swimming pool? What if I took out the racquetball courts, the aerobic? So this club that was 40,000 square feet, as I started condensing it and taking out things like childcare and swimming pools, pretty soon it was 5,000 square feet. And instead of 50 employees, I had two, right? Right, So right. it was just, and I had everything in that club that you needed to get fit. So I built one club and I literally, I sold enough memberships in 90 days to cash flow that business for the year. I mean the economics were just unbelievable and that was in an urban market and I was so pleasantly surprised by it I said look I'm going to I'm going to build a mid-sized club and I did it I built I built a club in a mid-sized town same performance in I sold enough memberships in 90 days to cash flow for the year now I'm really intrigued by it and then I built one in a small town little town of 3500 people and I thought to myself this thing is no way is it going to work but I needed to know I was really curious And I went in that small town. The unit-level economics, Michael, were right in line. And I sold enough memberships in 90 days. And here's the punchline. In that small town, my rent was $1,000 a month, and that included utilities. So I always tell people, it's not what you take in in the front door. It's what you take out the back door. So I needed about 180 memberships to cash flow in that little town. I sold about 400 memberships. So that little town was generating a business that was kicking out about $80,000 a year free cash flow, right? So it was at that point, Michael, I knew that I had a tiger by the tail. And at that point, I hired the one thing that I did very well. When I went to file my franchise documents, I had one of the best franchise councils in the country and uh, I didn't cut any corners. I built it. I would say, think small, be small. So I built this thing on a foundation that was rock solid. And I knew knew that what the paperwork and the documentation I'd done was right on point. Now, did I know at the time I was going to have, you know, thousands of clubs? No, I didn't. Right. But I knew I, I, knew I was preparing myself to get there.
0: What was your initial thought when you were thinking about Snap Fitness from the very beginning? What was I, your vision? Well, and what, where is it now? Compared well, to the
1: first one I did, the first club that I built, I built it for this guy that was a friend of mine that ran the club, ran my big right. clubs for ten years. Yeah. So I did it as a favor for him. I didn't know that the thing was going to kick ass like it did. Right. Okay. Yeah. And literally, what I did is I took a page out of the hotel playbooks. You know. Early on, the product that I developed, we they were only staffed about fifteen to twenty hours a week. Now mm-hmm. it's a different product because it's evolved because consumer expectations have evolved. But you know, I built the one club; it did it performed well, and then I built two and three. Once I got into franchising, the first the first year, I think I opened twelve clubs, and it was all pretty much to friends and family. Okay, and uh, that was the first twelve. Every one of those clubs performed at the same level. All the operating manuals, everything everything I had done and documented, I wrote every manual, everything. And I was really meticulous to detail because I didn't leave anything to chance. And I always used McDonald's as my template saying, look, I mean, I had a sign configuration. So when you went into your space, you knew exactly where every sign was supposed to be posted. I had the lighting configuration, where the equipment is placed. I even selected the equipment for you so you had a nice diversity. I didn't leave anything to chance, right? Right, And I said, look, this is my Yeah, Yeah. the door access system, everything. So I said, look, if you're going to get into this franchise, I welcome you with open arms, but understand you don't get a vote, okay? I'll listen to what you're saying, but look, I've been doing this for 20 some odd years. I'm an expert at it, and I'm not going to let some guy come in who's been working out for the last 10 years. He's some meathead, and he's going to tell me how to make money. Because I always say, do you want to own a gym or do you want to make money? Yep. Right? It's yep. a fair question. And I put those guys right back on their heels. I said, look, you know what? I am i don't have time to fuck around with you. We're going to be real here. I'm going to show you how to make a living at this, not just come in and work out. You know, yep. This isn't going to be a hangout for you and your buddies. We're going to make money.
0: I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecroc.com forward slash book. That's com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Now, have you had a franchisee that has uh, gave you a great idea that you weren't thinking of? Can You think of something off the top of your head where somebody came in and said, "Hey, man, I have an idea," and you were open to taking it, and then it yeah. turned. Yeah, into something.
1: I, you know what? I can't think of uh, I can't think of any situations like that. But I'm sure that there were ideas that I had that evolved, right? right. And I don't know if it was franchisees or, you know, employees or whatnot. I was always open to people's suggestions because I think the day that you don't take people's suggestions, you're in big trouble. So, you know, when I hire talent within my company and I look at myself today or when I was running the company as kind of like a casting director, you got all kinds of people come in with multiple skill sets. And the type of people that I want to hire were never one dimensional. I get I like people that can come in and roll their sleeves up and and you can put them in four or five different lanes and they're going to be great because they've utility got great players. discipline. You know,
0: yeah, yeah, utility players,
1: but they stay in their lane, right? Mm-hmm. So I say, look, here's the part of the field that you need to focus on, and you know, you got to own that piece. So don't worry about what Joe's doing over here. You stay in your lane, and you know what? Five years after building this company. One year, I opened I opened 377 stores in one year. I mean, imagine that, brother. I'm opening a store more than one a day, okay, somewhere around the world. And you know what? When you walk through my office, people were not running around with their hair on fire. And I tell you what, the same system I had when I was opening three clubs a month is the same when I was opening 30 clubs a month. Because... All I did was plug in more resources, more human resources to keep the ball the ball moving down the field. Right, right.
0: Yeah. And, and I controlled amazing.
1: everything. I Such controlled everything. I had my own real estate division. I had my own construction division. I mean, I didn't leave anything to anyone else. I, so they would I,
0: travel. The construction crews would travel all over the country and, and yeah, build the clubs.
1: You got it. Nice. Or we have contracting companies that have relationships with things. And because we give them a total blueprint, mm-hmm. step-by-step chronological order. I mean, I would... I made this thing like building health clubs for dummies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd give it to the contractor and I'd say, look, you know what? You know, don't put the equipment in until your flooring's down. Otherwise, right. you, you just increase your workload. So I put everything in chronological order and I said, just follow this blueprint. If you got any questions, call me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for the first hundred stores, I would physically walk in every store before they open to the public. Every store I would look at, touch it, feel it, make sure that. The plants were in the right spot. That the traffic flow was set up to where you could handle traffic. You know, it was, Jeez, I, that's, I a, that's any... a club a day, brother. That's yeah. a club a day. It was not. It was not. Well, a hundred, a hundred. The first hundred clubs that I built, it took me about two years to get to a hundred clubs. Two and a half years. But after that, I was a. And what? I, what was I doing? I was validating what I had written. Right. Okay. And, yep. and literally, I'd give someone the playbook, and then I would watch them. Okay, because. To me, if I'm gonna give you the playbook and then walk you through the playbook, it's not a playbook. I'm just, you know what I mean? I yeah, could man. just go in and do it. So yeah, yeah. I would they gotta follow it. They gotta follow the directions and, and you know, and when people could repeatedly do it and do it and do it, and that's the that's the validation if you've got a great franchise system. When you can take a bus driver, a stay-at-home mom or dad, you know, a sophisticated entrepreneur, when you could take anybody and teach them how to fish. Teach them how to make a living within the wellness space when they have no experience in that space. When you can do that, you've got a legitimate franchise system. Now, talk
0: about, you talked about how building a foundation was uh, crucial, obviously, and that is crucial. Speak about how culture plays a role in the growth of your company and where it came from.
1: Big difference. Uh, you know, the culture, I learned early on when, when I would watch my dad in his grocery store, one thing I appreciate about my father, his employees were so loyal to him, and I'll tell you why. You would see my dad, there was no job that he wouldn't do. One minute you'd see him shoveling snow. Next minute he'd be stocking shelves. You'd see him behind the cash register. You'd see him k- taking out the groceries. Then you'd see him in the office doing the books. He didn't put himself above anything. So everybody knew that he was, he's a man's man. He's got grit, which is a great word. And, uh, and, and people were just loyal. And they, you know, literally, I looked at that and I said, the same thing. This is how I'm going to roll that I'm not going to put my, I'm not going to be a dictator. I'm going to be a good listener. I'm going to hire great talent. And I'm going to let them know that, you know what, I'm their boss, but I'm their friend. And I, when I cast someone in a role, I give them the ability to make mistakes because that's where they're going to grow. But, you know, I I put them in, I I analyze their skill set and then I put them in a place where they can thrive. And, and that's, what, that's what people want. People want to feel like they have opportunity within your company, that they're going to live and die by their own sword, which is great. And then when they make mistakes, I don't browbeat them and say, you do that again, you're going to lose your job. That's a bullshit way to get people to lead people. I did, you know, When I would sit down in my boardroom with my different division heads, it would tear them up when I would say, you know what, you guys, I guess we're average. I thought we were great, but we're an average company. They would hate that. It was like a father talking to their kids. Yep. Right?
0: Yeah, I love it because yeah. they
1: know that we we're nothing. we were we we're overachievers. You yeah. know. Yeah. So you know, so they love that, and you know, I co-sign for many of their homes, for their cars. I get to see them have their first child, buy their first home, buy their first new car. You remember those days? Yeah, man. And, and so it's really for me. You know, I always say to my employees, I used to tell them understand what you're witnessing here. You have a front row seat to the American dream. I want you to reflect on that. How unique this is that you're literally coming into a company that where where we took an idea and we blew it up into one of the largest wellness brands in the world. You had a front row seat to it, right? Yep. Cuz it doesn't happen every day. You know, I don't want people to miss the moment. And just like myself missing the moment of Vicariously watching somebody buy their first car or home or have their first child. I mean, God, it's it's, yeah, like, it's awesome. Is there anything sweeter than that?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I'm I have 30 employees right now. Uh we run a mortgage company in the Mid-Atlantic region in Miami called Nations Lending. Yeah. And we have 30 plus employees now, but I'm seeing some things. This past year has been a really turning point for us, and we've exploded. Our business just exploded. And I'm watching each individual person. Everybody's made more money than they've ever made in their life. And each individual person, we have a, like, such a great culture that they share their wins together. And some of the stuff that they're saying and accomplishing for themselves and their families just blows me away. And I'm sitting back just like tickled to death because this is what I do it for. I yeah. can do a lot of things to make money, you know? Um, Absolutely. But that, yeah, that's that, awesome, that, right? Yeah, that's a great feeling, man. So was there a stage in your business where it started to snowball, where it was just uh, in a good way, out of control growth? Like you, you were like, no.
1: holy cow. Or was no, it it was I, never had a ho- I never had a holy cow moment because you know you could see well like when someone would sign a franchise agreement you could see the snowball all right you could see it so you could see that you might have a you might have 50 sold licenses they're out looking for real estate so the first step is you have to sell the franchise itself the second is you have to be in lease negotiations and then sign the lease so that process there's fairly transparent so you don't get blindsided. You know that if somebody is in the latter stages of getting the lease sign, within a couple of, we- couple of weeks, you're going to have a lease sign. And then you got to, then construction's off to the races.
0: Right, right. Now, what's something you've been inspired by recently? With everything that's been going
1: on, what's something that stands out that you've been inspired by? I get inspired all the time. I mean, I love, I love watching. I, I love entrepreneurs that um, they've had to come through some adversity and they're thriving, you know, or they're in the middle of a firestorm, and they don't cower, they don't, they're not under their desk in the fetal position. I mean, all of the, as an entrepreneur, you, you got to appreciate all of those moments as well, because it's Mm -hmm. not all up and to the right, right? You you know what I'm saying? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I,
1: I love, you know, so I, I really love and appreciate all of those, those moments. And it's not, you know, seeing other people win, I love that I vicariously can appreciate that. But Being an entrepreneur, as you know, as you know, brother, that it's all those things that come with it, the rise and the falls and the rise and the falls, it ebbs and flows and that's business. Yeah. And what's it's not not for the faint of heart.
0: And and in your position, I interviewed uh, Grant Cardone the other day and I asked him this question and it intrigued me. So I want to start asking it to everyone because his answer really intrigued me. But when you're by yourself, what are some of the things you say to yourself? Or what are some of the things that are going through your head when you're by yourself and nobody else is around or you just, when you're by yourself?
1: You know What? Well, I'm in a little different place because I stepped down as the CEO of my company that I founded a year ago, January. So I'm in a little different place now. Um, I'm very diversified. I've got a lot of real estate and I own a luxury camp in the Serengeti, just really radical diversity, music festivals. Um, Awesome. So what do I think about? I give thanks a lot. I mean, as, as I've as I, um, as I live my life today, I'm much different than I was when I was 50. When I was 50, Shit, wait, hold up. You look like you're
0: like in your late forties, brother.
1: I'm 58. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. right. Yeah.
0: Being around the gyms, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's a work in progress. I'm telling you straight up. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, for me, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you straight away that, you know, the last 30 years I was chasing money. Okay. And. Just being brutally honest with you, I was chasing money and, and and i was there was no plan B for me, so fear of failure played a big part of it and so I just worked my ass off you know um failing was not an option well, you know then once you once you win and for me, winning was my bank account right when I can look at my bank account and you know as, a, as today i'm a nine figure net worth guy, right, so when I look at what all the assets and things I know that going in the food line is not a reality for me. So I reflect and give thanks to what an unbelievable life I've had. And then I think about now, what does the next 50 years look like for me? How do I want to show up every day?
0: What's your legacy, yeah, I, right? I,
1: yeah, I don't need to go. That's why I, I do a lot of mentoring and consulting. I don't charge anything for it. Everything that I do, I'm doing, I'm doing a gig tomorrow. And everything that they pay me, it goes to my foundation that I, I so I give away a hundred percent of it. So I'm done making money. I just started a CBD company and you know, that's going to make money, but I'm I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for the challenge. So.
0: Yeah. Cause that was, think, that was my next question. After you, after you got out and stepped down, did you feel any sense of, uh, in, insufficient? Like.
1: Yeah. It's really different. You know, when you're, when, when you're working your sack off for the last 35 years, and you, you step down because you know you want to do something else there's a there's kind of a, a surreal moment there i mean when you're packing up your box out of the office and you're walking out it's surreal Yeah, dude. i'm not kidding you i like mean,
0: retirement from football or baseball or something you got like that yeah. like, wow you know yeah, yeah.
1: this is something I, I didn't envision it that way but that's how it went down right so and then i purposely because i know myself i said pedro you're not gonna don't jump back into something, okay? So I made myself chill for 40 days. So 40,
0: no, hey, 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 no, no
1: rebound relationships. <laughs> forty days and forty rebound. nights. It don't I said, work. I, I took it right out of the Bible. I said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna chill. I'm not gonna do anything for 40 days, 40 nights. I'm just gonna chill and reflect on what an unbelievable life I've had." So now, what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really laid back. I'm really, chill. I'm much more chill today than I was when I was in the fire, yeah. right? Yeah. And my perspective is on point because I've done so much, right? I mean, I've international business, I'm in 28 countries. So as I sit back and I think about what does the next chapter look like, it would be a shame to take everything that I've learned over the last 30 years, international business, repatriation of capital back to the United States, building a franchise system, motivating people to where, to, I mean, really motivating them to where they, if a hand grenade comes in the room, they dive on it for you. How do you get that out of people? Right. And yeah. So where did you go when you stepped down
0: for the 40 days? Did you go somewhere?
1: Well, I, I moved to Miami for tax reasons. right? Yep. So, yep. Minnesota was Love where Miami. I grew up and yep. that's about 10% state tax. Miami's zero. So even, yep. if, you're, even if you're homeschooled, that math works, right? So yep. Yep. I just said, uh, you know, I'm going to be down there. So I just literally moved back to my lake home here for the summer. I'll be here for two and a half months, three months, mm-hmm. and then go back to Miami. So, you know, that's, I just do a lot of reflecting and I do a lot of podcasts now and do a lot of consulting for entrepreneurs. And you know what I love? I love it when I do, when I'm, when I'm mentoring like a 75 year old person and they're talking about their next deal. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's that great, man. I love that. I mean, that. most of the guys, when they're in their, when they're 70, they're, they're thinking it's like the last chapter of their life. And I tell them, hey, look understand age is just a number yeah so get get your head off of that and just go get it right
0: i, I mean i think i don't think i'll ever stop because you know here's the thing i don't feel like i work you know right? it's not it's just not work to me now i grind and i'm hard and i'm tense i'm an animal yeah. but I, and i think there's always this i don't know if you have experienced this but there's always this like a false sense of security i feel like like we right. just had two record months in our company like we doubled i mean it's just amazing the numbers right yeah. And I still feel like, guys, we're, we're not there yet, man. We, yeah, you know, it's, I don't know what it is, man.
1: It's a good, you know what? I think it's healthy to run your business with a little bit of paranoia, right?
0: Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Paranoia. Right?
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's perfectly healthy. Why? Because it keeps you, you're always chasing it. You know right. what I mean? Yep. And the day that you stop chasing it is the day that you should probably, you know, maybe think about something else. Yeah. And, you know, the word retirement, I, I don't even like the word. They they, they got to come up with a new word. I always say I'm transitioning. I'm transitioning mm-hmm. to my next thing. Yep. You know, Peter, yep. well, how's retirement? I'm not retired. I'm yep. transitioning. What are you going to? Well, I don't know. We'll figure that out, yep. right? Because things come along. I say no to you know 50 deals a year for sure, easily more than that even. You know, yeah. so that's good yeah. stuff, man. Well, leave us leave us with
0: a final word. I know we, we, we're we're uh, we're at the 30 minute mark here, and I, I want to yeah. hear a final word, and then how can my audience connect with you?
1: Yeah, so final word is look, the people out there that are that are trying to tell you that it's easy when you see those people out there fanning 100 dollar bills asking you for 20, 30 dollars a month and they're standing in front of jets they don't own and Lamborghinis they don't own, I tell you what, it's all bullshit, it's all smoke and mirrors. There's no easy way, all right? There's no easy money out there and there's no hacks. In other words, there's no shortcuts. So just understand you got to you got to roll up your sleeves and willing and willing to go chase it and willing to sacrifice and without compromise. And it's not easy and you're going to fail along the way. And that's okay. Cause if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. So that's, and that's one of the reasons, uh, Michael, that I got into social media is because I was encouraged to get into it. But I, but as I started looking around, there was so much fake bullshit out there. People staying in front of jets and things that they didn't own, right? (laughs) Fake, fake things. So in fact, I did, I did a shot in front of my Falcon 50 with that and my Ferrari. And, uh, I told my PR company, I'm never going to do this again because it's not how I roll, right? Right, right? They said I needed to do it for validation because I, everybody else was talking about it and I've done it. So, but I told them. So whenever you see pictures of my cars and my stuff, it was all from one, a few days one of shoot. Three. It was one shoot. They don't even ask me anymore because they know <laughs> I get totally pissed about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh
0: man. <laughs> Peter Taunton, thank you so much for joining us <laughs> on the What You Made Of podcast. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Uh, and, and listen, my friends call me C-Rock. So you can, you can call me C-Rock, man.
1: I love and, it. And hey, let, easy- let me tell your guys where to find me, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. really easy. On Instagram, that's the only place I post. Instagram, it's Peter underscore Taunton, T-A-U-N-T-O-N. And that flows right into my Facebook and into my YouTube, stuff like that. But Instagram is where I, is where I do my, my stuff.
0: Awesome, man. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on. If there's anything your boy C-Rock can do for you in the future, man, all you got to do is reach out. I'm on Instagram as well. And uh, just check with me for anything. I don't care if no. you need a speaker, you need somebody just to come. Whatever you need, man, I'm here for you.
1: Yeah, no, I hate a pleasure meeting you, C Rock, and let's follow each other on Instagram. And and when you put this together, let me know. I'll repost it and tag you, and you know, keep, keep building, building yep. the dream.
0: And I come down to Miami probably once a month when things are normal. So pop in, and maybe we'll grab a drink or uh love dinner it. sometime. I'd that'd be awesome. I Thanks, it. man. I appreciate you. You're the best. Take care. Thank you. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, Mike C-Rock. Please go subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform, or go subscribe to my YouTube channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco, and tell your friends and family. Until next time, it's your boy, C-Rock. What are you made of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCrock.com forward slash book. That's Mike C-R-O-C dot forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikesirock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at MikeCirockCirocco.com. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode.